Hey, what's up, everybody? It's your favorite quarterback hater, Robert Mathis, and you're listening to the For the Culture Podcast. This is the For the Culture Podcast. I'm your host, Luke Diamond, with my man, Jason Spears. Before we get into the Week 11 preview, if you haven't already done so, please subscribe to us on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, Radio.com, iHeartRadio, Google Play, all your favorite podcasting platforms. Hit the like button, leave a comment, and turn on the notification bell so you get a notification every time we drop a podcast. Week 11. Colts Packers in Indianapolis America's game of the week 425 the Packers come in at seven and two the Colts come in at six and three the third game of this mini gauntlet we have in the month of November Ravens Titans Packers and then Titans again next week so we get a look at one of the best offenses in the National Football League Colts one of the best defenses in the National Football League so Jason this should be a fun one the Colts had 10 days off we get Kamoko Ture back he's back at practice he's activated so it should be a fun one between the 7-2 and two Packers an offensive powerhouse and then the 6-3 and three Colts a defensive powerhouse yeah, my favorite thing about this game is is Green Bay is getting everybody back. They're getting Adams Adams back, and people are gonna be like, "Why do you want all these guys back? You want it to want it to be easier for the Colts to win?" No, I, I want a real. T- I want the test, the test, for our defense. And they're getting Adams back. They're getting Lazard back, who's been out I think for seven or eight weeks. Uh, on defense, they're getting you know Jair Alexander back, and also Kevin King, their two best corners. So. They're going to have everybody, and that's kind of how I want it. I look at this as a defensive measuring stick game because, like you said off air, Luke, this is probably – this is the triplets. This is like our edge, Marv, and Peyton, what we're going against with the, with this offense. So going to be a huge test. By far the best offense we've played all year, probably the best quarterback we've played all year. And uh, it's going to be a tough game, man, because they can do it all. They can run. They can pass. They got playmakers all over the field, so it's definitely going to be a test for our defense. But I'm looking forward to it, man. It should be a fun game. Yep, and we'll start off with the Green Bay Packers offense. That is the strength of their team. Third in the NFL in points per game, averaging over 30, 30.8 points per game. And then, like you just said, and we talked about off air, they have the triplets. They have the old-school throwback, Peyton Manning, Marvin Harrison, Edger and James triplets. They have Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Jones, and Devontae Adams. So they could beat you on the ground. They could beat you in the air. And they don't turn over the football, which I think is the most impressive part of this Green Bay offense. As great as Russell Wilson is playing, he's been turning the ball over this year. When you look at Mahomes and you look at Rodgers, they just don't turn over the football. Aaron Rodgers only has three interceptions on the season to go along with 2,578 passing yards, 68% completion percentage, 26 touchdowns to just those three picks, and he's only been sacked 10 times. So it's an extremely efficient offense. They could beat you in multiple different ways, and they don't turn over the rock, which is the most impressive part when you look at the third-ranked offense in the National Football League. Yeah, before I get into their skill players, I do want to say I, I like their offensive line. Their offensive line does an outstanding job with, with protecting Rodgers and also opening up running lanes for their running backs. They do a great job. It's definitely going to be a test for our defensive line. We're not going to have Autry, obviously, out with the COVID, unfortunately. But we are going to get Teray back, and I think it'll give Tyquan Lewis a really good chance to play. But we'll get into that in a minute. As far as this offense goes, though, their offensive line stout, like I mentioned. You get into the running backs, you start with Aaron Jones, 493 yards rushing, 
That's almost five yards of carry, 4.8 average, five touchdowns. But he's also dangerous out of the backfield, 28 receptions, 231 yards, two touchdowns. Then you get into the, one of the best, if not the best, wide receiver in the game right now, Devontae Adams, 61 receptions, 741 yards, 12.1 yards per catch, and nine touchdowns. So he's a big-time player and makes big-time plays. Other notable guys on this offense, their backup running back, Jabal Williams, very physical runner. They get Alan Lazard back, who was, who's really coming into his own before he got injured. He hasn't played, I think, in seven or eight weeks, but they're going to get him back. you got Marcus Valdez-Scandling, who's done a great job when Laz- with Lazard out. So they, they have players all over the field. And then at tight end, they've got the kid from Indiana, Robert Tunyon. He's definitely somebody that they get the ball to. I think he has five touchdowns. So they've got players all over the field. J.C. Sternberger, another tight end they have. So really a lot of talent all over the field. No real weak spots. They run the ball well. They throw the ball well. They don't turn the ball over, and they have a good offensive line, and they have great depth. So like I said, man, big test for this defense. It's going to show us how good we are or if we've got a little bit bit of a, you know, if there's an Achilles heel in this defense. So, Going to be a fun game, going to be a test. This is, to me, the best offense we're going to play all year, and I think we're playing them at the right time. We're relatively healthy outside of Autry. I think it's going to be a great test and a fun game for for both teams, both teams' fans. It's going to be exciting and uh, should be fun to watch. Let's get into the keys to the game for the Colts. Defense, key number one, make Rodgers go the long route. No big plays, no chunk plays. This is an offense that is clearly capable of hitting a big play, whether it be on the ground or in the air. So you really want to eliminate chunk plays altogether and make them go the long route. Make them put together a 12, 15-plus play drive to beat you. Yeah, and that's what our defense is set up to do, Luke. And so, yeah, this is definitely a game – especially with these players that they have, man. They've, got, they've just got so many playmakers. The Colts have absolutely got to keep everything in front of them. They cannot get beat over the top. The only, I feel like this game could get away from the Colts if they allow big plays. So the, to me, one of the bigger keys in this game is making Rodgers go the long route, take checkoffs, take checkdowns, whatever, you know, and just and make the tackle. You know, if they get seven yards, they get seven yards, whatever. You can't give up 60-yard bomb touchdowns or 70-yard bomb touchdowns because that's what this offense really is predicated on, big plays. So – and another thing, just to throw this in there, Rodgers will get frustrated. If he's having to take checkdowns and short gains and whatnot, he's the kind of guy, and, and this is really my only drawback to Aaron Rodgers, he will get frustrated if he gets hit. He'll get frustrated if he's not making big plays. So this kind of – all these keys kind of lead, lend towards you know frustrating Rodgers, which is, I think, the only way you can really slow him down is to frustrate him. So I think – you know, one of the keys to doing that is making him go the long route. They're going to make plays. Just don't let them make big plays, game-changing plays, touchdown plays, you know, 50 yards out. You can't do it and win this game. You've got to make them go the long route. And I think that starts with, you know, slowing Aaron Rodgers down, maybe getting them frustrated and just not giving up long-distance plays to this offense. Yeah, and Jason, I'm glad you brought up Rodgers. Really, the only drawback to Rodgers is that he gets frustrated. And me and my dad were talking about it a couple weeks ago. I think they were playing Tampa Bay. It was a primetime game. 
They were up 7-zip. It might not have been a primetime game. It might have been a 4 o'clock game. But they were up 7-zip. And then all of a sudden, the Bucks come down. They score. They tie it. They score again. They go on a big run. And Aaron Rodgers just completely took himself out of the game. And he's sitting on the end of the bench. And he has the beanie on. And he just doesn't want to be there. He doesn't want to be there. He turns his back on his teammates. And that's really the only drawback to him. And he's like that kid. And I think we all know this kid. Some of us were this kid. You're playing at the park, and he gets upset with everybody, and he says, I'm taking my ball, and I'm going home. Rodgers is the ultimate. He is the highest level of, I'm taking my ball and going home because he's frustrated with a bad call or a player dropped the ball or a lineman missed a blocking assignment. And it doesn't take much to fluster him and to piss him off and for him to turn his back on his teammates. And that's really how he beats himself. There's a reason why, as talented as he is, well, there's a couple of reasons why, but one of the reasons why, in my opinion, they haven't won a Super Bowl and they haven't been back to a Super Bowl in nine years is because Rodgers isn't a motivator. Manning would get on his teammates and Brady would get on his teammates and still does get on his teammates, but they do it in more of a motivational way. Like, come on, get your act together. We have to come back in this game. And Rodgers is more of a turn his back on his teammates kind of guy. And this is an opportunity where if you get him you know, hitting those checkdowns early or you hit him a little bit and you get him out of his funk, he could easily turn around and say, I'm taking my ball and I'm going home because we've seen him do it before and that is the biggest knock on him. That's really his only knock because he doesn't turn the ball over. He has a strong arm. He's mobile. He has the full package. But his attitude is his biggest weakness. 100% agree, and I think that's the key to this game. I, I As we go through these keys, obviously, we'll get into a couple of the other ones. But to me, like the only way anybody really gets to him or or slows him down because he's such a damn talent you know I'm not a huge Aaron Rodgers guy as far as his attitude goes but he's probably the most talented quarterback in the league I mean he can make every throw he's accurate he's an incredible football player but the problem and the one issue with him and like you like we've talked about is he will go into a funk where he turns you know he turns his back on his teammates or he gets frustrated with his teammates and I think that's certainly possible in this game because I think we have the defense to frustrate him. We have the players on defense to hit him. He doesn't like being hit. No quarterback does. But I think Aaron Rodgers hates it more than anybody because he really, I mean, he can, he can, you can get him out of his game. You mentioned the Tampa Bay game. I watched that. That was actually a 425 game of the week game, and they just beat his ass. They just tore – I mean, they just tore him up. They hit him all game long. They didn't sack him that much, but they hit him all game long, and he went into a shell Mm -hmm. after that touchdown you mentioned. And that's what the Colts have to do. They don't have to sack him. They just got to hit him. If they hit him for 60 minutes, and we're going to talk about that in a minute – it's going to be a long day for Aaron Rodgers, and I think it's going to be a long day for the Packers. Yep, and that was a 425 game, and this is a 425 game, so let's hope that that theme continues at 425 on Sunday. Key number two, like you just alluded to, hit Aaron Rodgers. Hit him, hit him early, hit him often, and hit him for 60 minutes so we could get him into that funk that we just talked about. Absolutely. That's the key to the game. It's not about sacks. It's about pressure and hitting him, letting him know you're there. The Colts have to get to him. They don't have to sack him, but they've got to hit him. He does not, like I said, he hates being hit. The more you hit him, the more kind of squeamish he is. The quicker he gets rid of the ball, the more, you know, the more inaccurate he is. But he just doesn't like it. And he'll get pissed at his offensive line or whoever misses a block, whether it's a, you know, the tight end or somebody misses a blitz or whatever. I don't think we're going to blitz Rodgers much because he'll, you know, he tears blitzes apart. But 
I mean, you know, we bring a blitz or two and, and somebody doesn't pick it up or whatever. He will he will get pissed at his teammates and not in a positive way. So that to me, out of uh, and we talk about these keys because we find them to be the most important parts to winning this game. But to me, the biggest one is is just hitting him consistently from start to finish. Not about sacks, hits. The consistent hits they build up, and we've seen that in the past with other quarterbacks. You're not necessarily going to sack him, but and it's like we mentioned, he hasn't been sacked that much. But if you go back and watch that Tampa game, he got his ass beat in that game, and he played by far his worst game of the year. I think they lost that game 38-10, and it wasn't even that close. They got a late touchdown, I think, or a late field. I can't remember, whatever it was, but they, it wasn't a close game. And so the Colts really just need to focus on getting to him, pressuring him, and hitting him. The sacks aren't as important. It's just the consistent – 60-minute pressure, or if it's overtime, 70-minute pressure. So whatever that takes, whatever it takes, that has to happen in this game. And key number three, do not beat ourselves with dumb penalties. We had a lot of penalties in the first half against Tennessee last week. Some good calls, some bad calls. This week, you can't beat yourself with dumb penalties. Yeah, and this is kind of, you know, it's a common theme, you know, turnovers. We, we kind of go through. But, but this week it's especially important because Rodgers is going to test us deep. He's going to throw the deep ball. We cannot get past interference penalties because that's akin to a big play to me. They don't, they don't count it on the stat sheet as a completion or whatever, but I kind of think they should because it's akin to a, you know, you give up a 60-yard pass interference play, it's the same damn thing as a catch, basically. So the Colts can't that, – that's my biggest issue because I know how – you know, a lot of times Rock and Xavier are very physical and they can be very physical down the field and get into trouble with their hands down the field. And in, depending on what crew we get, if we get a crew that, that's very, very, you know, flag happy, that could be a big issue in this game with long penalties and putting them in, in short distance fields. And we can't win that way. So that's a huge key to me, not getting pass interference penalties, not getting personal fouls, not getting, you know, roughing the passer or body slamming guys out of bounds, just no stupid penalties. You're going to have some when you play really hard and you do the, you know, you're playing whistle to whistle, as Chuck would say, you're going to have some penalties, but the key is not having those huge pass interference penalties. Yeah, and timely penalties on third down. Let's add another key to the game, Jason. Get off the field on third down. They don't turn the ball over. So if we leave this game with zero turnovers, we'll be like most teams that play the Green Bay Packers offense. So create turnover by getting off the field and getting the ball back to the offense in any way possible. Last week against Tennessee, we didn't force a turnover, but we forced two punts that were the two biggest plays of the game. We had the block punt touchdown by EJ Speed, picked up by TJ Carey, and then we also had that terrible shank punt, which was due to the pressure applied by, I think it was again, EJ Speed. The shank punt led to seven points. We basically got 14 points off two punts essentially, from the Tennessee Titans. And this is a game where we probably leave, and we could win this game, and we could have a great defensive performance without forcing a turnover, but we have to get off the field on third downs. Yeah, it's a great point, and it's very important because you, you allow this offense to, to extend drives. You're in for a long day. So any opportunity that we have to get them off the field on third down or fourth down, because I expect them to go for some fourth downs as well, you got to do it because you give Aaron Rodgers chances with penalties or whatever, you, you, you're just not going to win the game. So getting off the field, having no penalties, 
on third down is a huge key as well in this game. There's so many keys because you're playing against such a great offense, but we've tried to limit it down to three or four. So, yeah, Luke, that's a great point. Definitely getting off the field on third down and getting the ball back to our offense is going to be a huge part of this game. Let's flip over now to the Green Bay Packers defense, which comes in middle of the pack, 15th of 32 in points allowed per game, 24.9. So great offense. Average middle of the pack defense led by outside linebacker Zadarius Smith, 33 tackles, nine tackles for loss, eight sacks, 15 quarterback hits, and a pair of forced fumbles leading this Green Bay defense. Yeah, and they've got some players on this defense. It's kind of surprising they're not better than what they are. I thought they were a lot better last year, but they've definitely got some players, and they're getting some guys back this week. I mentioned Jair Alexander, their best corner. He's coming back this week. Also, Kevin King's coming back after missing a few games with the concussion. So they're, they're getting their guys back, and it's going to be a te- – I mean, everything's a test in this league, but I think they're going to – it'll be interesting to see how the Colts attack this defense because they're not they're – not, it's kind of like Tennessee in a sense. They're not super great at any one thing, um, not, not rushing the quarterback or stopping the run. Uh, when you look at their stats, they allow 4.6 yards per carry – and the the pass game touchdown interception ratio is 14 touchdowns to four, so they don't they don't really get a lot of turnovers, and they've only got 20 sacks in nine games. So the defense doesn't do anything outstanding. So it's like Luke said, it's middle of the pack. But as far as the players and the, and the personnel on this defense goes, you got you mentioned Zadarius Smith, who's definitely the guy that makes that wreaks the most havoc for for their defense. Free safety, Adrian Amos, who I like a lot, 37 tackles, two tackles for loss, two quarterback hits and a pick. Inside linebacker Chris Barnes, 50 tackles, leads the, leads the Packers, three tackles for loss, one sack, one quarterback hit. And other notable players, they have Darnell Savage Jr., their strong safety. I mentioned a corner, Jair Alexander, outside linebacker Preston Smith. And then outside linebacker Rashawn Gary is coming on and really start, started to play solid football for them. I think he has two and a half or three sacks and uh, really started to hit the quarterback a lot lately. So they have some players on defense, a lot of young players, Savage, Alexander, Gary, King. Those guys are pretty young. Definitely some talent. They just haven't put it together. Middle of the pack defense, the Colts should be able to do some damage against them. Yep, and let's get into our keys to the game now for the Colts offense. Key number one, no turnovers. And this is almost a key to, obviously, every week, no turnovers. You never want to turn over the football. But in this game, especially, because the Green Bay Packers offensively don't turn over the football, like we said, you almost kind of want to mirror that. Like last week against Tennessee, neither side had turnovers. We managed our lead. We win the game. In this game, you might not force any turnovers against Aaron Rodgers. It'd be great to do so, but if you don't, you're just going to be like most teams that play Aaron Rodgers. So don't turn the ball over yourself to match the Packers offense. You don't want to turn the ball over in this game, and you're playing a defense that doesn't create turnovers too frequently. Yes, 100%. And Luke, the thing about this is it's simple. We haven't lost when we haven't turned the ball over on offense, so I'm going to put it on here every week. Because until we lose the game not turning the ball over, our record is going to be undefeated. So if we don't turn the ball over, based on the based on the information and what we've seen this year, we don't lose. So just don't turn the ball over. It's easier said than done, but it's really a key, especially against a great team. You cannot turn the ball over. You saw it against the, the Ravens. We turned it over. Cost us the game. Saw it against the Browns. We gave up nine points. We lost by nine points. We cannot turn the ball over and give the ball 
back to this offense. They will make us pay. So key number one, most important key of any of the keys, is not turning the ball over because when we don't, we're undefeated. Key number two, stay with the hot hand at running back. We've seen Jonathan Taylor have a 100-yard game last week. It was the Naheem Hines show. Jordan Wilkins has done his thing. So stay with the hot hand, whoever that may be this week at running back. Yeah, and it's been somebody different a lot this year. But I really think, you know, they've got to figure out what's working early and stay with it. And if that's Naheem Hines being in the game, keep him in the game. Because to me, having him on the field creates so many mismatches for the opponent. But I'm also not saying don't have Jonathan Taylor in the game either because I think that he's also a guy I I would love to see us use more in the passing game because he's so physical when he gets the ball in his hands. So, I mean, maybe you split Hines out in the slot. I mean, there's so many things you can do with our offensive personnel now. So there's a lot of different ways you can attack this defense. But And I'm getting away from the point here. But the bottom line is whoever's doing the best job at creating – space and getting yardage and make helping this offense move the ball that's the guy that needs to be in the game whether that's taylor hines whatever or you know play multiple guys but you've got to have you can't just keep trying to run a guy that's just not doing a good job we've done that with taylor in the past where he struggled and it's taken us you know a half or three quarters of the game to figure out okay this is not his game so hopefully this week we'll figure it out early. He's been better about that. He figured it out in the Tennessee game and started using Hines. Needs to do it again this week. Be real quick with the trigger. Whoever's doing a good job, leave him in and let him play. And key number three, stick with what works. Kind of like at running back, stick with the hot hand. And then key number three, stick with what works. Just period, what works in this game. We've seen so many times this year where Frank Reich almost starts coaching against himself and he starts outsmarting himself and he gets away from what works. I don't want to see that anymore, not just this game, but at any point the rest of the season. Keep doing what works until the other team is able to stop it and then you can no longer do it. So key number three, pretty simple, stick with what works. Yeah, and you're right, Luke, man. He gets into this thing where he tries to prove he's the smartest guy in the room, and you don't need to do that. You just need to stick. You go back to the Tony Dungy philosophy. We run our plays. you got to stop them, and you can't. Like we, The bottom line is that like in the Tennessee game, we could have thrown the ball 50 times. I mean, they couldn't stop it. They could, they could not cover our guys. You know, Hines had a huge game. Listen, whatever works, stick with it until they prove they can stop it. If they can't ever prove that they can stop it, you just do it the whole game. And if they prove they can stop it, you adjust. I mean, that's what good teams do. So don't screw around with, you know, second and long runs and and just running in, you know, you know, short yards, running into the A gap, getting stuff for two yard losses. Do what works. Stick with what works. Do it until they stop it. I think we can have a good game against this defense. It's very similar to Tennessee. Not a lot of playmakers. They don't get a lot of pressure on a quarterback. They are getting some guys back, but I expect them to be a little bit rusty. So I I think the Colts offense can have a really solid game. And, again, the bottom line is if we don't turn the ball over, we will have a very good chance to win this game, in my opinion. So that's what really, you know, those three keys, if we do those things, we should win this game. And now it's time for our predictions. Jason, we'll let you go first. You already know, brother. (laughs) You already know. I'm taking the Packers by four. I do think it's going to be a close game. I do think Aaron Rodgers is going to have, you know, is going to do Aaron Rodgers things. I think our defense is going to have its stiffest test of the year. I expect it to be a one-score game. 
I'm just going to go with the Packers in this game because if I pick the Colts, they'll lose. And you all know this. Of you know the rules. I made the rules. We're sticking with it. It's working. Hey, those are the rules. The rules are the rules. Even the unwritten rules are the rules. Jason, what are the Packers' lifetime in Indianapolis? They haven't won a game in Indianapolis. I think they're 0-4. And I think they're going to fall to 0-5 in Indianapolis after this game. I wasn't really sure going into last weekend who I was going to pick. I was actually leaning towards the Packers. I didn't like what I saw against the Jaguars, but they held on to win. If the Packers were coming off, like I don't like Rodgers off a loss. I'm afraid of him off a loss because I feel like he's too talented. They're too talented to lose back-to-back weeks. After they lost to Tampa, they blew the doors off the team. They played the next week. But we saw this team lose to the Vikings. So as good as they are, they are 7-2. and two. They lost to the Vikings, and they kind of got blown out towards the end of the game against the Vikings. They played a really close game week one with the Vikings. Then we beat the Vikings convincingly the following week in week two. And then I know we lost to the Jaguars week one, but that was centuries ago in NFL terms here for the course of the season. Obviously, teams have changed a lot over the last couple weeks and the last couple months since week one. And the Packers struggled last week against the Jaguars. Now, I know they're getting guys back. We're getting guys back, too. I think Teray getting him back, even if it's just on third downs or just a couple of plays. He's one of our premier pass rushers, which I think will be a big addition back into the mix. I don't know how much he's going to play. I don't even know if he's going to play, but he's activated, so that makes me think he will play a little bit. He'll play some in this game. So I like the Colts in this game. We have to hold them, in my opinion, to 24 or less. They average giving up a little over 24 points per game. I think the Colts are going to be able to go over that number. They average over 30 points a game. If we give up 30, we're going to lose. We will not, in my opinion, be able to win a shootout with Aaron Rodgers. So if we beat them, we're going to have to beat them by holding them under that 24-point number. So 24 or less for the Packers. I think the Colts win this game. I'm going to go 27-24 Colts over the Packers in Week 11. And every game, like I said earlier in this week, in the AFC Playoff Picture Podcast, this is an incredibly competitive AFC. And you have the Ravens coming off a loss to the Patriots. Shocking loss. I really can't believe they lost to the Patriots, but Belichick does Belichick things. And the Patriots come out six days after almost losing to the Jets on top of the Baltimore Ravens. Bizarre, I know. So you have the Ravens coming off a loss. If they're able to beat Tennessee, And it's a revenge game for them because Tennessee beat them in the playoffs. And the Colts could hold on to this game. Then next week, we're basically ending the season of the Tennessee Titans with a win. So a lot needs to happen between now and Sunday. But if everything breaks in our favor and we're able to win our game and the Ravens beat the Titans, we are going to be looking at basically a division championship for the Colts the following Sunday against the Tennessee Titans. So I don't want to get too ahead of myself, but as far as my prediction, Jason, I got the Colts winning this game. And the Colt game will be the game we have all our focus on at 4 o'clock. But that 1 o'clock game, all Colt fans will be rooting for the Baltimore Ravens at 1 o'clock against the Tennessee Titans. That's going to be a big game between the Titans, the 6-3 and three Titans, and the 6-3 and three Baltimore Ravens, as it seems like the entire AFC at this point is 6-3. and three. A lot of big games going on. One other thing I wanted to mention, and I didn't mention earlier in the show, to keep an eye on for the Colts. Michael Pittman Jr. out of the slot. I think that's a huge matchup, a huge advantage for the Colts. He's very physical. 
They played him out of the slot last week a lot, and he had a huge game. I don't think there's anyone on the Packers that can handle him in, in the slot. So if you're watching one player, watch Michael Pittman in this game. When the Colts line him up inside, I think he, he can make a lot of big plays in the middle of the field. Rivers is starting to connect with him. I think that's a big, big matchup to watch, him against their third corner. And I think that's a, a, a I think that's a matchup the Colts can, quite frankly, take advantage of. So I'm excited to see that. Keep an eye on that. I think Michael Pittman's going to have a big game. Yeah, I was really impressed with Pittman after the catch last week because it was the first time all year where we really saw him do something with the ball in his hand. And then even the end around, we gave him a carry, and he had 21 yards, I think, down inside the 10. So I'm excited, and I think this could be the week. Prop bets. Check the prop bet on Michael Pittman Jr. getting into the end zone because he still hasn't found the end zone. He gets closer and closer every week. He's knocking on the door. I think this could be the week where you see Michael Pittman Jr. get into the end zone. Yeah, and he plays – one thing I'll, I'll mention about Pitt is that I love about him is he plays – like there's a lot of guys we've had in the past, TJ Green, let's not go back through it, <laughs> plays slower than his time, right? Mm-hmm. Played way slower than his time. Michael Pittman ran four or five – I think four five four at the uh, at the combine. He plays faster than that. He can he can run after the catch now, and he's physical. He ain't gonna back down from anybody. He's got strong hands. He's really starting to come into his own. I think he's. I really I really like him in this game. I think he can be the X factor down the stretch of our season. I mean, yeah. even if he is not doing things, I mean, you can run into rounds to pit. You can run stuff in the middle of the field. You can run fades. There's so many things he can do that I think you're going to see our offense take advantage of and improve on down the stretch of the season. And I think it started last week, and I think it's going to continue this week. I think Frank Reich has found something in this offense with Pitt, and I think they're going to continue to feed him the ball. Yeah, I think we could even make the argument that it started in the Baltimore game. We were just so pissed after the Baltimore game, it was hard to find silver linings and positives. But I actually think it started against Baltimore, and then last week – he had a coming out party, over 100 yards, I think seven receptions, the 20-yard run. It was really fun to watch. And then I think he went down inside the 10 once, and he went down inside the 3 once. So he's knocking on the door for his first career NFL touchdown. And different guys come around at different times. And I know he was a senior, so you expect him to be a little bit more NFL ready right out the gate in September. But... You look around the league, you see what Claypool's doing, you see what some of these Jefferson's doing in Minnesota, and you're like, oh, I want my guy to be like that right now. I want him to be like that immediately, week one, week two, week three, the first couple weeks of the season. Different guys come around at different times. Look at Reggie Wayne. Reggie Wayne was not a Hall of Famer in 2001, 2002, 2003. So some guys take a little bit longer to develop than other guys, and Michael Pittman, we're starting to see those flashes, and last week wasn't even a flash. Last week was just a great performance. It was a solid NFL great performance out of Michael Pittman Jr. Yeah, and, and one other thing I'll mention is is they're starting to use him like I saw them use him at USC. Mm-hmm. At USC, he was catching slants and go, you know and and running through the middle of the field and splitting safeties. And I mean, he he can do these things. He's the, he's not the fastest or the quickest guy, but he can do these things. He can catch the ball and go. Yep. He catches it and gets from zero to sixty real quick. And if you don't if you don't bring your lunch with him, he will run you over. So I, I love this kid. I love his attitude. I love the way he's fought back from that that kind of a devastating situation he was in. Very I mean, very serious situation yep. he had, you know, a few weeks ago before you know, before the buy and all that stuff. But 
really happy to see them. They're, they're, I think the Colts went back and kind of watched during the bye week maybe some of the USC film and how they got him involved because mm. that, that game against Tennessee, it looked like I was watching Pittman against uh, you know Notre Dame or something like that where he <laughs> had a bunch of plays. He was, he was yeah. outstanding, and, and I'm really starting to see – him ascend you can see it coming you can see the game slowing down and i'm not trying to turn this into a michael Pittman fan podcast but you can just see it you can see it coming with this yeah. kid and i'm, I'm really excited i'm excited for him i'm excited for him i am too jason and also that is the best throw for rivers to make rivers has showed us he can make the boundary throw he can throw downfield but you have a 38-year-old quarterback. Those quick slants, that's what you want, and that's what Michael Pittman provides. And he has that big frame that Rivers like. So there's so much that Rivers and him connect on, especially with those crossing routes over the middle, to see that now implemented more into the offense and to really see somebody take that slot role because after Paris went down, it was kind of like a no-man's-land spot for the Colts. We saw interchanging it was like a carousel of players that were lining up in the slot but yeah it was great to see Pitt last week have a career day and many more to come for Michael Pittman Jr. the talented second round rookie out of USC so let's wrap this up Jason final thoughts for the game on Sunday Colts Packers should be a great one man I'm really excited uh I'm excited every week because we get to watch the Colts play with everything going on and uh, going on around the world it, it's it's such a nice thing to be able to just sit down and enjoy a football game but as far as this specific game goes I'm just excited to see our defense and coach Flus how he adjusts because one thing I love about coach Flus is he's not above he's not arrogant he's not he doesn't have the ego that he won't adjust if something's not working he'll change it Yep. So, obviously, there's going to be parts in this game where Rodgers is attacking our defense and having a success. My, my, what I'm excited to see is how Flus adjusts to that, our defensive players adjust to that, and how we combat that. Because I think that's, that, that's, that's football. That's the fun thing about football, watching strength on strength, watching a great quarterback against a great defensive coordinator. And, and I think Flus is a head coach in waiting. I think he absolutely is a great defensive coordinator, which everybody that listens to this show knows. So I'm really excited about the kind of the rodgers Flus chess match, how our defense matches up. And then on offense, you know, how, how we attack their defense. They're not really good against the run. They're not really good against the pass. So what are we going to do? What, what, do we, what do we try to attack first? Uh, so it's going to be a fun game. I think it's going to be a close game, and I think it's going to be a great game for both sets of uh, fan bases. I think it's exciting, and uh, I think it's going to tell us a lot about how good this defense is or if we have a little bit of ways to go because, I mean, to me, there's no better offense in the league and as far as Rodgers goes. And they're getting their, their second guy back, Lazard, who's been out, who's been an outstanding player for them. So I think it's a great matchup. It's going to be a fun matchup. But it won't be fun unless our guys in blue come through with a W. Yep. And thankfully, you picked the guys in green and yellow. And we won't let the football gods forget it. So... <laughs> Big game this weekend, Colts-Packers, 7-2, and 6-3. Playoff implications on the line for the Colts in this crazy, wild AFC playoff picture with all the 6-3 and three teams. You got five of them battling over the three wildcard spots and, of course, the Colts and Titans in this race for the AFC South as the Colts come off their biggest win and biggest game of the year with another one coming up next week against the Titans. We got to take care of the Green Bay Packers this week in Indianapolis. Flex to 425, America's game of the week. I cannot wait 
That's my man, Jason Spears. I'm your host, Luke Diamond, and this is the Pull the Coach Podcast.